heads for a word of prayer. Our eternal loving Heavenly Father, we bow before you again this morning and thank you for this opportunity to come to your house to worship you. We thank you for the reminder this morning in your word that you are the light. And we thank you that you have led us out of darkness and you guide us as we walk in the light. And we just pray this morning that, again, we would be edified as we look at your word. And we thank you for what you have laid on Mel's heart this morning and help our hearts be open to receive it. We just pray this on the name of Jesus. Amen. Greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to each one this morning. <clears throat> so good to be here. Beautiful fall morning. Sure, winter's around the corner, but it's not here yet, so let's enjoy it while we have it. <clears throat> I, too, want to thank you as a congregation for your generosity the last month or so. Many gifts and cards and prayers have been shared with me. Also, for the generous love offering a couple of weeks ago, thank you for that. May God bless you for that. This morning's title is A Call for Discernment. I'm not sure what you, what comes to mind when you think of that word or that, yeah, that, that title. But it seems we live in a world that starves for truth. You want a doctor whom you can trust to give you an honest assessment of your illness and prescribe a cure. You look for a mechanic you trust to repair your car and give you good value on parts and get you back on the road again. You want to purchase healthy groceries for your family. And if you buy a gallon of organic milk, you want some assurance that it truly is organic. So you're going to go to a supplier or somewhere that is trusted, someone that you can trust that it is what he claims it is. You know, there's also a dearth of spiritual truth in our world. Jesus warned us that we would see this. He warned us that this is going to happen as we near the end. Matthew 24, verse 24 says, there, For there shall rise false Christs, plural. That's kind of hard to say. There shall rise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show signs, great signs and wonders, insomuch as possible they shall deceive the very elect. Doesn't look like any one of us is exempt from that possibility. The Apostle Paul also warned in, 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 in uh, warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Think about that verse for a minute. People don't even want to hear the truth. They're not even going to want to hear it. They're going to actively turn away from it and look for someone to tell them what they want to hear. That's what, that's what the, uh, Paul is warning Timothy of. It's getting to sound really familiar, isn't it? to where a person doesn't even want to know the truth, doesn't want to hear the truth, and is going to look for someone to tell them what their ears want them to hear. They will deliberately believe untruth because it's more palatable. 
and they'll actively seek out a teacher or some person who will teach these false doctrines. And they'll turn away from the truth and embrace a make-believe story or a fable. You know, discernment is not popular. If you happen to meet a friend or a person who's just discovered a real easy, low-risk investment opportunity that promises great returns, he's not going to want to hear your warnings or your concerns. He's not going to want to listen to you. Or maybe your friend just purchased a beautiful car and got a really good deal from a guy that's got a bit of a shady reputation. He's not going to want to hear your concerns as you warn him about these dangers. What does it mean to discern? Let's define that. I have the dictionary definition, then I have one that I'd like to apply to our context today. The discern means to recognize or identify as separate or distinct. Remember that. There's separation and distinction. In, in our context today, I'd like to think of this, the skill of separating divine truth from half-truth. You know, lack of discernment is a human weakness and the work of Satan. <clears throat> when Satan came to Eve in the garden, he planted doubt in her mind. He asked her, hath God said, did God really say this? Where does it say that I shouldn't do this? Jesus never said anything against, you fill in the blank. Discernment is separation of the truth from half-truth. And you know that half-truth is really the most subtle, the most dangerous, and so easy to get caught in. You know, if you're a friend's investment broker, would have told him a bold-faced lie, he probably wouldn't have bought the plan. Or if that car dealer would have told him that, oh, this car's got four brand new tires and the two of them are bald, that would have, he probably wouldn't have bought that car either, right? But that's not how it works. It's the half-truth. The almost true, a little bit of fraud, a little bit of a lie that's so easy to get caught in. Turn in your Bibles for a text to 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to read a couple of verses out of this, and then a couple of verses in, in uh, 2 Timothy. 1 Thessalonians 5, <clears throat> verse 20 to 23. Just a couple of short verses, and then I want to look into these. Verse 20, 1 Thessalonians 5. Despise not prophesies. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then follow me to 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous means dangerous. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are dead, of, 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 that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort they are which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> now when you look at that list in verse 2, really doesn't look that bad, does it? And I appreciate uh, Darrell's comments this morning about thankfulness. And notice that's also part of them. Unthankful? Is that really that bad? You know, when you look at that list, you think, come on, Paul, give us a break. But look where that can lead to. And there's other verses that support that. We're not going to get into that. But as we look at this list, we, we, we down there, verse, the end of verse 7, where, look where it leads to, um, ever learning, ever learning and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. It seems in our day there's more and more people that you care to come across that have very uh, learned, very well educated, and yet somehow can't see the truth in some of the most simple matters. Let's turn back to uh, 1 Thessalonians, and I want to make a few comments about those couple of verses that we read. Now, we are still in the context of a call for discernment or being a discerning person. Despise not prophesyings. And this is to declare the purpose of God through divine inspiration. You contrast this to those that have these itching ears and are turning from the truth to a make-believe story or a fable. You know, the word of God in Jesus Christ has absolutes. There's a lot of absolutes. There's not a lot of room for fuzzy gray areas. You know, Jesus said there's two ways. There's the broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person cometh unto the Father but by me. Some very uh, distinct absolutes. The rejection of absolutes is an indication of a lack of discernment. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Prove means to test, is it genuine? Is it worthy? Prove. How do we test a teaching? <clears throat> Compare it to the word of God. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. Ask another brother or sister. Draw from the knowledge and experience of an older, more experienced person. And I didn't do that, that enough in my younger day. If I could give any advice to you younger men, do that. Find someone, an older, experienced brother. Develop a relationship with him. Meet him on a regular basis. Discuss things like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, as you go through life, there's a lot of, um, well, on the job site, we would call them judgment calls. There's times when at, at, at work, I rely on the experience of my crew to make a judgment call right then and there. 
which is the best method, what's the best product, how will you solve this problem? Life is full of judgment calls. There's times when there may not be a right or wrong, but there's often a better way. And I guess in this sense, this sense is all, uh, as well. See whether these things are, this issue is genuine or worthy. <clears throat> Abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, it's, as I said, the half-truth, the almost correct doctrine. That's so dangerous. We tend to hear what we want to hear. Kind of the rest just falls off the edge, but we hang on to what we want to hear. You know, we must be well-versed on the word of God to know the truth. Otherwise, we'll be like these people here in 2 Timothy, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I might also add that that comes with reading the word. And we're getting to the end of the year, so you're going to start hearing this from me. There will be Bible reading schedules out there on one year, 365 days, you can actually read through this whole thing, Genesis, Revelations. Prepare yourself now, mentally, physically, get your frivolous reading out of the way, and lay aside 20 to 25 minutes, that's about what it takes, to do, depending on if you get one of these old uh, major prophets, they're long. Um, set that time aside. And a couple of tips that I have learned, <clears throat> get yourself a Bible app and listen to it, follow in a different version. That adds interesting perspective. Uh, you could even speed it up if you, little want, if you want to. I wouldn't go too fast or it would just kind of wash over, but I found that to be very valuable. Get an app, listen to it, follow in another version if you want. Also, you might double up whenever you can. If you fall way behind, you just get so discouraged. Stay ahead rather than behind. So you'll hear more of that in the next month or so. And 2024 would be a good year to do it if you haven't yet. Read through the Bible next year. Make that one of your New Year's resolutions. There you go. That's a good one. Try that. But that's, and even though... Reading is not studying, I get that. That's not studying. It's re in fact, it's a lot of reading to you know, study in depth every day. But you'd be surprised what you learn just from reading. And you won't learn it all one year. That's why you need to do it every time, every year. But start with one. So anyways, that certainly is a good way to become well-versed in the Word of God. Commit yourself to reading it. <clears throat> Becoming a person of discernment. Let's look at that. There's some very worthy role models that we have in Scripture that did just that. First of all, you need a desire. Let's turn to Proverbs 2. This is written from the wisest man that ever lived. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, 
So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Doesn't that sort of explain that though, that group of people there in 2 Timothy that, that, that we read about who were always learning and somehow just don't get it? I think here's the answer. This is key right here. If you seek for her as silver and search for her as a hid treasure, I've never been a treasure hunter. There's guys that get these little electronic devices and you can dig through the ground and find all kinds of buried treasure from wherever. Um, picture yourself like that. Maybe you're out in some historic site or on the beach or wherever. Picture mining the word of God like that. If you dig like that, you will find it. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Very key, very important. First of all, you need to have that desire. The second one, pray for it. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. This is again Solomon. Not that I'm focusing on Solomon, but it, it, uh, there's... Uh, uh, a couple of, uh, there's some things here I really do want to look at. Solomon was a new king, and I'm not sure we're given his age. He feels young, inexperienced, and inadequate. And I'm sure sensed a great responsibility. This was God's people that he was called to lead. An awesome responsibility, no doubt. 1 Kings 3, verse 5. And Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. Then God said, ask what I shall give thee. Okay, picture yourself in that scenario. What would your answer be? God comes to you personally. There you go. Ken, Marvin, whoever. What do you want? I'll give it to you. Test your motive. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is to this day. <clears throat> and now, O Lord my God, Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Now, think about 
Okay, here's God. Unlimited owns everything at his disposal, and he can give that to you. Solomon recognized that. Solomon understood that and acknowledged that. I also like the fact that Solomon addressed him as he does there in verse 7. Oh, Lord, my God. Solomon acknowledged God for whom he was, <clears throat> certainly. Notice also, he didn't have any selfish requests. As it says later, he didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for the life of his enemies. He didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom and knowledge. You know, God was so pleased with that. All he wanted to know, all he asked was that he could discern between right and wrong, good and bad. And we see that God blessed him beyond measure. Solomon was the greatest king. And in fact, if you read the rest of that chapter, he was his judgment was tested right then and there, very soon after that. And the people marveled at the, the judgment that he made. To us, it seems pretty straightforward and simple and elementary looking back, but not, maybe not in his case, in their time, right then and there. God blessed him in many ways, even beyond what he asked for. And if you turn back with me to chapter 4, verse 24 and 25, and this is again speaking of Solomon's provisions and his assets and all that he had, for he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tifsa even to Asa over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him, and Judah and Israel dwelt safely. Every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. <clears throat> It's unfortunate that today, I'm sure that's not the case there. I haven't been there recently. In fact, I've never been there. But according to news, that's not the environment today. Picture this time in Solomon's day. You get a, 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 the scene of a very peaceful, prosperous, thriving economy. Everyone was happy and content in what they were doing. And there is just uh, uh, a wonderful culture to be, uh, uh, community to be in. It says, all the days of Solomon. God blessed him. And Solomon, we know, he, he had his issues and he had his shortcomings and he sinned and he fell as well. But God blessed him in spite of that and the nation Israel. God blessed them abundantly. He did not have a selfish request. Prayer. Ask God for it. Number three, stay the course, striving for maturity. Turn back to 2 Peter 2. Again, this is also Peter's warning, his cry. They were also dealing with the same situation, false teachers. 2 Peter 2, verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who probably shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, 
and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. There were false teachers here who were gaining quite a following and bringing in destructive heresies. You know, then as now, they proclaim an easy gospel that requires little but gives much. While their followers are being exploited, the false teachers are making merchandise of the people. You know, false teachers use the same pattern that Satan used on Eve in the garden. Eve did not separate the half-truth from the whole truth. Here's Satan's strategy. He questioned God's word. Yea, hath God said? Did God actually say that? He questioned it. Then he denied God's word. You shall not surely die. God told them very clearly the consequences of that. And Satan right out lied, you're not going to die. And finally, he substituted God's words. Ye shall be as gods. Ye shall be as gods. Same strategy that's being used over and over again down through the ages, even in our day. They question God's word, they deny God's word, and then they substitute God's words. <clears throat> Stay the course, striving for maturity. Number four, learn from the gifted. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. And this is an interesting list of gifts that are given, often referred to as ministry gifts or gifts that are given to you to serve others by which you can serve others by as you serve God. Verse, just want to read a verse or two, um, focusing especially on, uh, let's start in verse 7. But the ministration of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit to another faith, by the same Spirit to another the gift of healing, by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and another to interpretation of tongues. I like especially that one there where we have that, that one about to the, uh, the, the one about the gift of discerning of spirits. You know, God gives this particular gift to some so that we all may benefit from this. And we see that especially in the early church when Ananias and Fire came to Peter and brought this contribution. And there was a lot going on at the time. The church was going through some rapid changes. Uh, we'd call it growing pains. They were trying to deal with the, uh, the growth that was coming. And there was a lot of needs that needed to be met, uh, a lot of physical needs. And they were having a hard time meeting them. But in spite of that, there was some real generosity, people that donated very generously. 
and uh, including Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know what, how generous they were, but there was a bit of deceit and fraud in there. They brought this particular amount, donated to, to, the, to the apostles to be distributed among the church, but kept part of it for themselves, pretended that they gave the whole thing, and that's where the problem arose. We have this scene here, and Peter, apparently having this gift, saw right through it. A direct revelation from the Holy Spirit and questioned them about that. They confirmed their lie and the fraud and were dealt with very swift judgment. Now the church was at a very crucial point to where the church was growing. Satan wanted in on this, wanted to slow it down, wanted to stop it, and God overpowered him and then we see that soon after that, in uh, fact, in chapter 6, we see where the church grew to the point they, were ne they needed seven deacons to meet the needs of the church at that time. You know, they were, they were certainly, um, they had a lot going. They had a lot of, uh, a lot of needs, and I'm sure they were all busy, all of them the apostles, as well as the seven deacons. So let's guard against that. Let's guard against that and also learn from the gifted. There are those that have that gift. <clears throat> the next one, depend on the Holy Spirit and ask for discernment. And of course, we had discussed this briefly in our Sunday school back in James, James 1, 5. He asks us, he, he, he admonishes us to ask for wisdom. Ask God. If you lack wisdom, let him ask about it. Give us to all men liberally or generously. He gives it generously. And abradeth not, and it shall be given thee. Abradeth not, he will not make you feel bad or cheap or insecure for asking that. Ask God, and I can testify to that. Certainly does work. Depend on the Spirit and ask for discernment. And the last one, study the scriptures diligently. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, read a couple of verses from there again. Again, this is, this is the uh, Paul's admonishment, Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, a young leader, who obviously was facing a lot of challenges. In the first part of this chapter, we have some of that brought out. Um, they, were, they were, of course, uh, dealing with a lot of things, and then he tells them in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, we all know that study is work, right? Have you ever done any studying? School, whatever, academics. Studying is work. Not physical work like you think of, you know, splitting firewood and that type of thing, but it's a lot of mental work. Of course it is, it makes you tired. That's what it takes, study. Lest we bring shame and a reproach upon the name of Christ. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy 6 and again read a couple of verses there as we think of this is again um, Paul admonishing Timothy. 
He says there in verse 11, but thou, O man of God, speaking to Timothy, this is now a change of thought. Previously, we have some of the teachings that were coming in from the false teachers, and we have verse 11, a change of thought. But thou, O man of God, flee those things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. <clears throat> But thou, he is referring to them, the, the false teachers, you are not like them, he is saying. You are not like them. This is what you're to do. You're supposed to flee, follow, fight, and then the last two verses, 20 and 21, an encouragement to, to be faithful. Verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings in opposition of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith, grace be with thee, amen. Study the scriptures diligently. This was, this was Paul's admonishment to Timothy and us as well. To be a person of discernment, you need a desire, first of all. Pray, ask God for it. Stay the course, strive for maturity. Learn from the gifted. Depend on the Holy Spirit and ask for discernment. Study the scriptures diligently. May God bless you as you go from here. Hopefully we can be encouraged to be a person of discernment in this world in which we live. Certainly we see a lot of half-truths mixed in with doctrine here and there. And we are certainly at a point where we need that more than ever. May God bless you as you go from here. Let's stand for dismissal prayer, and I'll ask Ken for a closing song. <clears throat> Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word that is before us. Thank you, Father, for the instructions, the direction you have given us. And we confess and acknowledge, Lord, that truly we do need discernment. In the day and time in which we live, it's all around us. Father, we want to be able to separate the half-truth from the whole truth. Give us wisdom in this as we search your words, study your scriptures, that your spirit would empower us, would direct us, would give us wisdom, would show us the way. Give us the courage also to be free to discuss with one another these issues that we might strengthen one another in doing so. Well, we pray, Father, your continued blessing as we part from here. May your blessing go with us and that we would be an encouragement and a blessing to those that we meet this week. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ken? Okay.